Hey, everyone. Welcome to Big Blend Radio. We're excited to have Donovan Plant on the show today. Him and his band, The Leafs, not The Leaves, The Leafs, have just released their newest EP. It's called Night Feel Good, and they're based out of San Francisco, which we love. So go check it out. Go to DonovanPlantMusic.com. And of course, keep up with us at BigBlendRadio.com. But hey, welcome to the show, Donovan. How are you? Great. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks a lot for having me on. Hey, this is so cool. Like I, I was listening to a lot of your music, actually, and it's just you have this really good drive to your sound and music that I think we kind of miss. You know, it's like you kind of have this vibe of understanding, knowing it, but then it's also very fresh and new. So you're hitting this nice, cool balance for all of us music lovers, especially, you, so you know, much. just some good stories, you know. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah, well, my background with, uh, you know, I was a private investigator for almost 20 years. And so everything was a story. And when I was working that in that field, um, there was constantly stories. And I kind of felt like, you're a songwriter, Donovan, what are you doing, doing this? And and then these stories are in my head. So it's great to hear you saying that there's stories in, in the songs. That's what I like to hear. Well, that's the first thing, you know, um, Nancy and I, um, my mom and co-host and, and uh, publishing partner with our magazines, we travel uh-huh. the country full time. And we, you know, we document parks, public lands, and we do a lot of people watching and rest areas as we're traveling. And I was thinking about that with your songs, like, because we play the game of, like, we used to print our magazine way back in printing days, like right. over 20 years ago when that used to happen in life in Vegas. And we would love it because we would sit and watch people in Vegas. Now it's rest areas and parks and picnic spots and make up stories of people like, okay, you and now, now I'm starting to think we need a dash cam because there's some weird stuff going down in rest areas. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm like, what would you do this in your own house? Oh, you probably are. Ew. Um, anyway, <laughs> just saying, so listening to your music, I feel like you understand people. And so that connection of being a, a private investigator, you have to understand people like psychology of people, right? I understand there's a mystery in the, the devil in the details and understanding that kind of stuff. But isn't there also understanding the psychology of people, which helps storytelling? Yeah. And I think that's true. And I used to always say that everyone was a private investigator in life because we literally, from the day we're born, we're trying to figure out things. So yeah. Yeah. We're, kind of, we're, we're like, I've seen somebody like this before. Maybe I don't want to piss him off or whatever, whatever the story might be. I, I think there is, it's true that, um, that people, are kind of the, uh, all of our game. We got to figure it out, figure each other out, and figure out how we can help each other, and how how we can not hurt each other. Which is hard because mm. we're we're all self. Uh, we're all looking at our own situation every day. Yeah, that little bubble. And then when you do investigate things, and like we do that in in some of our magazine work, we've done. We had to do some like serious journalism stuff that we went, oh, I wish we never saw that. And then you try to tell people, and it's like, okay, like when the Dakota access pipeline happened and stuff, we started like researching it as it was happening before the big news people. And we were interviewing some of the uh, native Americans that were standing there and going through hell. Wow. fascinating! And then when we started doing that stuff, like we, I would have called you and said, Hey, help. And then we were calling oil lawyers thinking that they could help. Well, that was, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but, but yeah. And then we found out that every single bank we all bank with, you know, all of, all of this stuff. Yeah. You know, so there's this mystery thing. I think we do it just even with our, um, just our DNA. Like it's, 
when you start delving into following a, a mystery or a story, it starts to open the world to you. And I think that's what music is about, just kind of correlating that where a story takes you outside of our own little bubble, yet at the same time, you're going to find something that keeps you connected to the bubble. Like, you know what I mean? That sounds right. weird. Right. No, I, I think you're right. I think for me, I grew up, I was told, my mom was very nice to me. And she told me, you're a Pisces, you're a sensitive young, you know, ah. And so I'm watching these cases and when, as a, as a PI, you were working uh, for an attorney or, or an entity and they'd say, this is your focus. So go get them. And so I'm sitting there for long hours and days and weeks and months sometimes. And, and you're seeing the other stories happening around this, these cases oh. or this mystery. So you're like, I want to get this, but you're noticing like a little boy come out and then a father come out and maybe help his son learn how to ride a bicycle or, or you see another situation where the father comes out and yells at the kid and tells him he's a horrible person and you can't do anything. I can't get out of the car and I have to be hiding. So I think that those stories that the sideline stories are kind of what would fascinate me when we go in to do one thing and we end up learning something else almost always. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, yeah. talk, you're, you're calling it uh, oil attorneys. Of course, that's a natural. You're trying to just anybody who might know something. And then you find out, oh, these are probably not going to be our allies, but no, how you find out. Yeah, I had Monsanto call me. Don't anyone. Anyway, that's a whole other story. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, sometimes you have to be a little bit quieter about what you do, but (laughs) apparently we're not. But listen, on the music front, I mean, all of being observant is part of being able to tell a story well, right? That's kind of where I was going. Um, you brought up the private investigator before me on that bit. Being an investigator is ob- observing, right? right? And so right. through that, you're able to probably learn how to deliver music in a in a way that's going to connect by having that observation skill because you know, hey, this is what affects people, how things are dealt out. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And it kind of reminds me of uh, reading about uh, Carlos Santana when he was young. He I know they said that he went and played in a strip club and he he used to play in strip clubs and he'd see how people would move to his music, literally how the right. dancers would move. So he learned. So again, it's observational. Like you said, you're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't with people. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. So why is your band the Leafs instead of the Leaves? That was really my, my drummer, Liam. It was kind of his baby. Um, we were talking about band names and we were thinking about dropping my name. I, I've been playing as Donovan Plant for a long time. I, I had the Donovan Plant band for a number yeah. of years and different different entities. And and when Liam and I started working and getting people together for this band, he had suggested the leaves and the leaves. And then he, he was like, no, it's got to be the leaves. And to be honest, I'll be honest, I kind of said, okay, fine. But I said, I knew I'm going to get a lot of backlash. But as soon as I said it, I said, you know, I was a I was a hockey player growing up, an ice hockey player. And there's a team called the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And I said, ah. okay, if they can do it, we can do it. We're the Leafs. And well, I mean, I it keep... already makes you go, oh, wait, you know, it makes you sit right. up. I thought it was cool. And it kind of goes with his name too, Liam. You know, it's like two L's. He's got two L's. Liam the Leafs, it's yeah. an F-S, you know, instead of a V-E-S, you know. That's right. sweet. But how long have you guys been together? Uh, we've been together now since, I think, 2018. So about five years. And, and the, guitarist, the guitarist came recently. Uh, the guitarist, Jason, we picked him up at the end of last year. So he's, he's pretty recent. Okay. And that's where we really feel blessed. We, we ran into him 
Liam already knew him for years, but I went to play at a food bank volunteering for Bread and Roses Presents in Oakland. Right. And he was helping out with the food bank. And he was just one of those kind of people who just just wants to help. And so I met him. I, I automatically liked him. And he came up to me and said, hey, I love your songs. I said, oh, cool. I didn't know he was a musician. And then later I, I was rehearsing at Liam's house and he happened to show up over there. So kind of an interesting thing. I thought, here's a guy who definitely likes to help people make the, the world a better place, which I'm really a big fan of. Not to, you know, be, get on a soapbox, but we all do that at times. And so I really was interested in him just as a person. And then when I heard him mm. play, I was very excited. That's cool. I mean, that's what I was saying. You guys sound really tied in the music and it's like you're in it immediately. Um, tell us a little bit about the songs. So why only three songs? We want like a full album, number one. I'm just saying. Me as well. I do as well. And uh, we started this process. Um, it We were just going to record one song. We could only re- afford to record one song is really the true story. And then I had some help from um, a, a guy named Michael Vincent Hollingshead. And he has a band himself called Michael Vincent and You Know Who. And he... And his wife, they have a record company that they started to help out artists. And they were they actually helped us record a second song. And then I worked with my producer, Trent Berry, to record a third song. So we just we were just barely able to get those done, financially speaking. But um, we were thrilled with those those three songs, the way they turned out, especially due to the producer and engineer, Trent Berry. He's just an amazing person. I think the thing that was most uh, that, that caught me most was just his, like you said about people, understanding people, that guy understands people because you get a band come in the studio, everybody automatically wants to raise their level. They want to be better. Right. And, right? and I'm no, just be us. Let's just do us. You try to come into something like, and you're going to be like today, I'm going to be twice as good as I am, you know? So there, so there's that. And then there's Trent, who's the mastermind of, of what we're going to do. And he just keeps uh, kept us on a positive plane at all times and he just was really bringing out good and you can hear it in the songs i mean there's just no way yeah no they're 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 driving songs like to me and and you know we travel so i'm always looking to what can i listen to in the car like when i'm like needing it and that's music that's music to me and that that you guys have that driving beat and like i said so tight and grow oh my gosh i love that um Tell us about that song because it's just, there is positivity that comes from it. And I think what you're saying too, about going into record of like, don't ever do yourselves. Like, right. It's so hard because you put extra stress on yourself. Like, Oh, today's recording day. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then you get there and your guitar is like, sorry, nothing's working today. Yeah, Something will like just mess with you. It's like a big gig and, all kinds of weird stuff will happen. Yeah, <laughs> you know? No, I, I agree with you. It's, it's true that we, in everything you do, if I'm going to cook dinner, oh, I'm going to make it great. So it's a weird balance. Like, you know, let it be, <laughs> let it, let it happen. <laughs> but um, on that song grow, I actually, you know, I think we all, I don't know without getting religious. I've never been religious growing up my whole life, but I've always believed in God. And so I was struggling with, with writing at the time that that song came started coming to me but it came to me through i I volunteer with an organization called bread and roses presents which i mentioned before where where we volunteer we play in hospitals and jails everywhere people can't oh yeah you were in san quentin right didn't you do that i played twice in san quentin which was really an honor and i feel really lucky so 
working with Bread and Roses, they're such an amazing organization. I felt I just got to see so many, so many opportunities where we actually do can help people feel better. And so Grow kind of came out of that philanthropic kind of uh, altruistic, I guess, way of of looking at life that things we can make it better. And and I was really afraid of it as a, as the song started to un un uh, open up. I thought one of the rules in songwriting that I've read reading books about songwriting is never tell people what to do. Um, and in that song, you know, I'm saying you got to grow and we've got to grow. And, but at least when I'm saying we, it's not you, it's us together. Yeah. So that, that's kind of uh, where that song idea. That's came funny. From. Cause that happens with authors. We talked to authors. Like uh, I just did an interview yesterday with two, two different authors, uh, one middle grade and one young adult book. And okay. they were getting over, I, one is a middle grade book talking about sexual assault. Oh, wow. Whew. Heavy, right? Yeah. Yet at the same time, you have, here's this magical story and a girl's like, you know, saving her library and, uh, and a, a mystery going after a book that's banned that is going to help her heal, right? Wow. So that she knows she's not alone, this young girl. This right. is the, the novel, and I'm talking to the author who's also gone gone through sexual assault. And so here's this heavy thing, and we were talking. And then the next author was a young adult, and it was like all this. It's young adult books, middle grade are dealing with serious stuff, right? But you cannot. And here's the whole thing: you cannot say, you cannot put the moral of the story by telling them the kids that are reading the book, like you will learn this, you must learn this, you must do this. You have to allow them to make the lesson their own. Wow. You know? That's and so, really, yeah. yeah. And it's happening. I mean, middle grade, like when I was at middle, I don't even really like that age. I don't think we had more than the Hardy boys and Nancy drew books and stuff. Like we didn't have I that. Yeah, I love those books, but well, I know. You had to, you had to, right? But, I remember but, learning about yeah. fingerprinting. Yeah, like they had all the different scrolls and yeah. Invisible ink. Remember yeah, invisible yeah, ink? Yeah. That was the yeah. coolest stuff. Like any of that stuff was cool, but we didn't have much more than that. And now no. like these authors have to do storytelling in this way of we're trying to put all this information in here, make this magical story and you hope, that they, of, hope and, that they pull out of it, right? Pull something out of it. It's yeah, and music wow. does that. You and you know, good songs. You you'll hear one one lesson maybe, or right. something that really you know makes you feel good. Or like we were saying too in that interview, like art and music and everything. You could be turned off by it the first time, and it's just maybe something that you really need to hear, and you're not ready for it. So sometimes. Right. You can hear a song 10 times, like grow. Right. right. One line, you know. I know one line in a song. Like I have a friend named Ray Bond, who's an outstanding songwriter here in San Francisco. And he, I just recently watched him perform. And I remember I, I've seen him perform numerous times. And, and this last time I heard a line, it was something like, they don't take food stamps in heaven. And, you know, I mean, it's like one line, but you know, and yeah, like what? Wow. This is heavy. So yeah, you're right. One, you know, we can really teach people or, or open people's minds sometimes with, with one line. And that could, that one line could go in so many ways, actually. Right, right, right. It wow. Different people will take it different ways and it depends on what the song is saying around it. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of like, especially now, that's a good line from now. Like, all right, let's 
<laughs> yeah, I, 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 I love it. I wish I wrote it. I can't take credit. <laughs> That's a good Great line, book. though, man. Well, the yeah. power of words, right? But with music, you're having to put the right melody and flow to it and rhythm to make it work so that's the other part of it right you have the authors here's this book and they're sitting with these words right and there's a visual side to it same with music there's a visual that comes with music but you have to have the right melody that matches the words so for you when you're writing are you writing the lyrics first the music or does it all just come at once you know, I'm, I'm, I'm both. It's, I've, I've been doing it for so long. I think I started, wrote my first song with my best friend, Tony Siligo, who I co-wrote some of the lyrics for a, a Night Feel Good with him. And we, I think we wrote our first song when we were like 12 and we were banging away on, in his, in his bedroom. He had a drum set in his bedroom. And so yeah, we, I, sometimes the riff comes to you first and then you write lyrics and they just happen to click. Other times I've written three different songs and pieced them together so yeah, I don't have a, a set standard formula. I just kind of, I just, I accept it when it comes and I go with it as, as, as well as I can, you know? Okay. Like now the white wolf, let's talk about that because that is interesting how it starts and then how it builds and then cha- it changes up. It's kind right. of like, um, it's a journey. Oh, wow. I, that's, thank you. That's what I'd like the people to think. Um, yeah. And that song, I was, I want to make this clear how I say it. I ha- in, in a former band that I had, a Donovan Plant band, my drummer is a guy named David Walsh, and he's also a licensed hypnotherapist. So oh. after the band wasn't really playing together anymore, um, I still wanted to to try out his hypnotism. And so he hypnotized me, but he's also a shamanic healer. So it's kind of with drums and hypnotism and so he put me under a kind of a trance. You're kind of awake and you're kind of not. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's speaking to you and I'm hearing, and I, I had a vision of being near this snow, bl- snow banked riverside. And there was this white wolf mm-hmm. and he was my friend. I, I could feel it. Like this was my spirit animal. This is, he loved me. And so I was rolling around in the snow with this dog and hugging him and holding him. And then even his name came to me because Dave was working, you know, he was saying, you might hear a name. And I said, I just knew it just came. Oshi was this, this wolf. Um, later, I didn't even know at that time, my, my heritage, um, I didn't know my father, my real father growing up. And I found out later that, you know, he's very Swedish from Sweden. So that kind of makes sense that the snow, snow banked riverside, um, but the, wow. the white wolf stems from that hypnotism session. Um, where where I kind of met my spirit animal, a white wolf named Oshi. That's a trip, man. Because hypnotism. Now Nancy, you know my mom, she did hypnotism, and she took a Gil Gilboy Nancy Nancy's Gilboy uh, years ago in L.A. Um, okay. in the seventies. Um, it's before I was born, and um, he would do this. And I remember the tapes as a kid listening to me. He'd go sleep in a deep slumber. She her her. <laughs> She was. She went to class with um, uh, Sylvester Stallone. Was wow. was one of the guys in the class, right? Wow. And um, so she does this whole thing, and then they did this past life transgression thing, and she was running around as a little Bantu boy uh, in Africa. And next thing you know, after I was born, divorced, you know, my father, and she ended up in Africa working with Joy Absom, Elsa the Lion lady a born free lady 
And there you go. And she was going into, you know, camps and campments and, or, you know, different tribal settings and explaining like you don't kill the lion and showing like, here's a lion on a slideshow thing. And then like one guy just speared the lion in the room because right. he saw the lion, but explaining like why you need the lion not to kill it. You know, we can do other things to have the lions not come into your, you know, your right. area. So right. isn't that weird? And so, Wow. And people would go against stuff with hypnotism going, oh, the devil's going to get you. Especially when we lived in South Africa, they would go like, the devil's going to get you. Right. You, I got hypnotized at an event and I knew it. And, they, and I had I had wine. So just saying. <laughs> and I ended up on stage like one of those stupid fools. But I knew what I was doing. You do know what you're doing. It's not right. like you're giving your soul over to the devil. Which right. They used to think back then. So yeah, I just wanted no. to kind of touch on that because it's, isn't it just kind of another level of who we are and just opening up those barriers yeah. that we have that in us? Yes, I really I think, believe we do. Yeah, I think you're right. It's not, I always thought the same thing like you did, that if I got hypnotized, I would be gone. I, don't, I wouldn't know it. And and when it happened for me, yes, it, it was more like you're there, you're awake, but you, but it is a different level of your mind. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. really it's it's meditative yeah, yeah. i think so so Very going much. back in your family history that's a mystery there itself right so that's what yeah. you're saying we're all like private investigators in a way i think one of the things oh we do so many family history stories like that yeah. is like the epitome of it to me i i found research. when i found my real father when i was like 29 years old i um i called his house and he had a landline it was this was a while ago and um and I called his house and it, and it was an answering machine. I thought, he's never going to answer. He's never going to call me Oh my God, back. an answering machine. <laughs> if I leave a message that says, hi, I think I'm your son. Here's my number. He's never going to call me, right? So I, I used, at the time, I was a private eye and I used, I left a ruse uh, indicating that he was going to, um, that he was going to inherit money possibly. And he called me within like three seconds. He was like, boom, he called me back. And I said, I'm really sorry, you know, that I, that I did this, but wow. I, wanted to talk to you and he was he was okay with it i think after it took him a second to realize he wasn't going to inherit money <laughs> but that was uh that was an interesting um journey too another mystery like you said i hear i was an investigator but i had my own mysteries going on in my own life yeah that sounds like a song that has to be written yeah i think you're right <laughs> yeah i i was just like oh private eyes watching you guys <laughs> <laughs> god that's a great memory when i was growing up you know hauling oats boy that was one of their best I know. That's funny that you go and, and, you know, I know everybody's got to keep going back to that with you because it's such a fascinating thing, right? You've got so much material. Do you ever think of doing like stories from like yeah. what you observed? Like a, yes. an album I just on that? I have, because I quit, I, I, I actually quit that career, but I have these like, yeah. these uh, big giant garbage bags full of files that, you know, instead of a storage cabinet over the years, I've kind of just kept all these bags with me. So I've got like and each one of those files are full of so much stuff the stories so yeah i i'm like well, when am i gonna di- delve into these cases but i mean i i'm writing from my mind so i was in all those cases but but yeah there's some stories to be told and uh it's always the trick of keeping uh things confidential and writing from you know a different angle viewpoint still tell the story but don't tell that story because that's not cool to, yeah uh, there's a personal but it's it's a I think it's always stories that people can relate to right, in their own right. lives, right? It's kind yeah. of like, 
Even oh, though yeah. one person, that's one person's story, but there's at least a hundred other people who have the same exact thing going on. Yeah. So Nancy wants to know, like out of TV and PIs, who would you put yourself to be? Like, you know, you've got Magnum, right? You've got people like that. Yeah, no, it's funny because And do you have Higgins, you know, with the dogs? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Like I'm going love, back no, to I the original PI. I love the Rockford Files. I love it. I think I'd be closer to the Rockford Files. I don't know if you remember Jim Rockford. It's kind of old. The Rockford Files? I don't yeah. remember. He was oh, like Nancy's over here. She's like, yes, she remembers. Okay. Yeah, there you he go. lived like, I mean, that's more, that's closer to the truth. Um, because people think of, there's different levels of investigations. And I was primarily a surveillance investigator. So I would be given like, you're going to get, follow this person wherever they go, get film. I'd go into places. I had, I've had a lot of weird experiences. I followed somebody on a train from Northern California down to, down to uh, Southern California. And then we got on a bus together and then we rode in. And and so I've done a lot of things like that, but, but, but the, the stereotypical private eye is usually like they're, they're doing everything. They're interviewing people. They're, they're kind of out there, but a surveillance guy is more like a mole, you know, you never see. Yeah. But you have to, you have to be good at that because, but then I also think from what, we're experiencing on the road. Like, honestly, I do have footage of people in rest areas doing like, I believe you. <laughs> days ago, we watched somebody lock themselves, their kid in their car. And then anyway, that I, and the car was running and oh, I, oh. I can't go into the whole story of everything. Cause <laughs> it's, I don't know how to say it without being completely foul because it was, but, um, and there's just so many weird, weird stories, but Rest, or, rest areas we, are pretty famous for that. Yeah. Oh, we love it. It's become a hobby. People keep going, girls, you need to go. And I'm like, no, we've seen drug deals go down. We've seen everything. Like, yeah. honestly, and then when you just say that, then the next time we go, there'll be something else. But I, like, people are like, you need to, you need to stop telling these stories. Like our friends, they're all like, are you going to a rest area on your way to here? We're like, yeah, so this and this is happening now and they want pictures. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to get caught. I, what I'm seeing is people are completely oblivious to stuff, right? Yeah. You mean, you mean people, other people are not seeing the weird stuff because they're trying to. No, yeah. they're, there's that, but they're, yeah. So pretty much. The people much, that are doing people, the weird things are not wondering. They're if not, they're not, ob, they're oblivious. Yeah. And then people in like around them are oblivious. And so like if what you're saying, like if you, if I was on that train, I would know, but that's because of my background and, and, what I've been through in life, like there's no one's right. tailing me. I would know. I would, I've always got eyes around just, I've grown up in a different way and in Africa and stuff, you, you know, if someone's trailing you, right? Right. Right. It's instinct. So I probably, yeah. people cannot walk up behind Nancy and I without us knowing. Well, I think what's interesting thing about that concept, which I learned halfway through my career was I, I worked a lot of uh, aerospace, uh, like rocket, like in Silicon Valley, people that like were literally rocket scientists and um, yeah. UC, UC professors. And I would say that they were easier to follow than like an 18 year old kid that, that was like worked at Burger King and he got injured. If I had to go watch that 18 year old kid, because they're like kind of doing things like, but the more your work is in your head, like the smarter you are, if you're a professor, your mind is working on all kinds of stuff. You might forget yeah. to change shoes you might be wearing two different shoes you know and you're walking around the world so sometimes it's not really a level of intelligence that that separates it you no. know yeah it's just I don't know we've we've I, I was raised with like 
in school, you were taught about limpet mines and AK-47s and stuff in school in South Africa, because that's what was going on. Right. So there's this different level of being aware all the time. You don't just not be aware. So that's right. different. But I've just looking out, I'm like, people have no clue if someone's trailing them, if they're going to get robbed. Like you could, like I could pick a pickpocketer, like, oh, that's going to happen right there. Right. And people are just la, 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 la. You have so a different sense of awareness because of your, yeah, when you were raised to, to learn, yeah. very careful. Like, And so people think we're paranoid. And I'm like, right. no, 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 <laughs> I'll stay the way I am. Thank you. I've seen really stupid things. But um, I mean, I did get robbed at gunpoint in New Orleans. So, I mean, that, that like, how was that? But see, that's when my, my awareness was down because I was taking care of my grandparents. And they were like, yappy, 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 getting in the car. And next thing you know. I close my door and this guy had a gun in my head. So like you're saying though, that it's, it's even though having a really elevated sense of awareness, like they have a color code of awareness when you're in like red level all the time, you're going to need some therapy too, because it's hard to live. I don't like want that. therapy. <laughs> no, I don't need it. Cause now I'm hanging out with dogs overlooking a lake. So I'm really fine now. Okay. In the middle of the backwoods of Wisconsin right now. We're good. We're good. Oh, beautiful. beautiful. No, no, you can't be like that. No. But if you're out, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like for you to be able to have that kind of skill to follow people and then how aware are they if someone's still on that train and then following them in a different way going from that's pretty intense to be able to follow without like that's a long trip. And then to go. Yeah, there's and there were part there were two. Things, we would work like I would work the same person five days every month for like two years. So I might get your name on a piece of paper and go work you for five different days this month. And then next month I'll be back. And so, and my main thing on those kind of cases were my focus was not being caught, of course, because, because I want to, I don't want it to get cut off. If you catch me tomorrow, I lose all of that revenue, if you will, you know, all that work. So it's, you know, God, you need to play some music. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) If I have to do therapy, you have to do music. No, no, no. But that's going to be like, ah, to sit and watch, like, I, it's, that's a hard thing too. If things aren't moving really fast to not, how did you not just sit and play air guitar? Well, I I worked for an ex-FBI agent here named Richard W. Smith. And I remember he would say, you know, he would hire me to do cases and he would say, I'm too itchy. I can't do these. I mean, he's like a top level FBI. He was a, he was a special agent in charge, SIC. So, I mean, he was like top level FBI agent, but he didn't say he couldn't do what I did. So everyone's different, you know? So surveillance guy has, you learn, if you watch about snipers, they, they're, they're taught breathing techniques because say you're sitting for a long period of time, you're, it's been a hundred degrees in your car for eight hours, you're soaking wet and then it comes up and you've got to pull your camera up and you're going to, and you, and your breathing is going to affect the. Yeah. The you can't, if a fly comes back, you can't, Right. Yeah. So you got to, you see, you learn like a meditative stance in everything. You're like, everything's uh, crazy. I know everything's crazy, but it's calm, but it's crazy, but it's calm. <laughs> that's how driving is to me. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm in a bubble. That's emergency it, up out of the blue. Yeah. It's like you can drive. I, you know, we've had things happen on the road and I'm just like, oh no, we're just doing this. And just, I don't know. And then afterwards you're like, right. holy shit, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but you got to keep in that meditation. Also up on stage, what's it like being that flip side of being like the surveillance now? To, yeah. Okay. Recording being with the band, that's a different setting, right? Totally that's intimate. Yeah. 
totally then getting different. up on stage that's two different that's two big energy polar, it's like a polar opposite right because yeah a surveillance guy has never be seen and then an entertainer or a performer you get up on stage like look at me look at me and i think i whenever people ask me and they and about that i i'm always like i don't really think i have it down <laughs> i'm working on it you know i mean I, I know that I got to be authentically me. And I think that that's the best you could ever do is just be yourself. And if you're kind of a nervous, shy guy or whatever, and you have like a lot going on and, and you're not sure then that's going to be better than faking it and going up there and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm so confident. I'm ready to entertain you, you know? So I, I, I'm always surprised a lot of times, a, a lot of performers, I talk to them and they all say the same thing that after a performance, people come up to them and say things that are totally the opposite of what you thought was going on. Mm. Like I'm off stage and say, boy, I really flubbed that. And I said that stupid thing. And then somebody will come up and say, hey, you know, you said that thing. And that really made a difference. And I, I want to come see you again. They'll be like my best fan. And and wow. they and they caught that one moment in the show that I thought I screwed up or I wasn't professional or I wasn't good enough. So I think that's a good thing that that the world keeps, the uh, universe keeps kind of feeding you the next clue, the next, uh, you know, breadcrumb to follow. I think it, it it's super important to be authentic because if you don't, your music's going to suck. Like right. you can't. Yeah, especially have... in songwriting. Yeah. You can be observant for the stories and understand how to connect and deliver but you still have to be a hundred percent who you are right. as a musician versus what you think the audience wants. Right. Isn't there that balance too? I agree. You know, when I, when I started leaving the private investigation field and thinking I wanted to do this, I, I worked with a producer named Damien Gallegos. He's worked on this new show that's out right now called I'm a Virgo. He's worked on that. He's worked on a lot of, uh, and he said to me at the time I was trying to be country <laughs> A little bit, you know, and I was kind of putting on a fake accent, country accent. I was like, you know, oh, I can do country a little bit. I like country music. I like different type, all different types of music. And he said, basically what you just said, that people are going to see it right away. If you're not yeah. being real, that's what people want to see real. Even though you think, oh, geez, I'm not good enough. No one wants to see me. No one wants to hear about me. It's still a million times better than something fake. Yeah. I mean, when we had our band... You, I mean, I was really shy about talking to the audience. And here I was the front singer. I didn't you know you were it. a band. I didn't know you were in a years, band. Years, years, years ago. And our, now and too many people had too many drugs. Like, really, I did, <laughs> we had our magazine going. And I'm like, dude, we can't have our clients hire our band. Because our drummers, <laughs> like, won't move the drums because he's seeing something over here. Like, he he thought the FBI was, like, following him in his bedroom. Like, <laughs> Dude. That's common with common with drugs, the tinfoil hat crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, so we like, okay, that's enough of that. And I did some solo stuff and things aren't going to think it'll always come back. You know, it, it's right. not done. Um, but I remember not being like, as talkative and like, I'm an introvert, ex extrovert person, but right. getting up on stage and looking at people and then having to like communicate with them. People are like, go, you're the singer. I'm like, I don't like I can sing, but like, what the hell am I supposed to say to them? Like, hello. Like syndrome kind of thing or something. Yeah. And like, it was weird and, and it was pathetic. I was, I sucked. I it was like, it was terrible. And then our band broke up and on stage and it, and I'd gotten better at all of this stuff. I'd, I'd progressed. And so I could right. at least 
say some funny things and whatever, but, oh, we're going to play this. And I'd be like, okay. And our band broke up on stage, like literally had a brawl. And then we had one more gig we had to do. And it was uh, Camp Pendleton in Oceanside, California, on the base to a bunch of Marines. This is like all this. Spinal Tap. Have you seen the movie Spinal Tap? Oh, yeah. And like the commitments. If you've seen the commitments and the drummer wants to take the sticks and shove them. Yeah, well. So our band is playing. Then we take a break and we need to go back on. And the military is like, you will adhere to the contract, you know. Right. And at this point, I'm like, oh, we're so screwed. (laughs) And we have all this camouflage stuff hanging from the, the stage. And they're having a barbecue. And People are like, you need to do this. Um, our percussion player just recently had a DUI and stole a van from Camp Pendleton. So, like, you know, we're going through all this stuff, right? Seriously, this is some crazy, like, I could write a book. It was a short-lived band, but damn it, we could have all gone to jail, and some did. But anyway, so we're on stage, and I'm like, I'm trying to get, like, the percussion guy and one of the other guys. That, oh, the ex, the rapist, guitarist that we had was a rapist, we found out oh. later. I know. I'm like, this is some serious, crazy, like, what the hell stuff, right? And yet we're very aware and understand limpet mines and AK-47s. But apparently I didn't understand American drugs. Anyway, so I didn't, I'm trying to call them on the mic because it's the only way I could get them to get there on time. And because there's a beer garden over there. And so Nancy and I used to always laugh at, you know, you in the grocery stores are like, do this cleanup on the aisle, whatever. Right. And so I'm like, Eddie, there's a tuna on aisle three. Go get it. Like, I don't know. I just started just riffing and being really stupid because at this point I just gave up hope. And it was like a breakthrough of how to handle stuff by just talking about tuna on aisle three. It makes no sense, even how I'm explaining it. But if no, you were I, there, yeah. you would get it. Dang. Like sometimes when you guess get crazy then then it it just it works itself out and they they all came they all came when we finished the gig and that was that that was the very end gig that one (laughs) and um at that point i have a friend who's a very good uh music person up up in santa rosa by you and chris is all you did it you broke through like the rolling stones would have been proud of you for how you did that i'm like yeah yeah right all right, I'm done. It's out and over with. But anyway. that is pretty awesome. You 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 fought fought the fight and, and played to, played the last set. And we also rolled on the stage playing um, military because we had camouflage. So I don't know if that was like the right thing to do, but we did. We we played like <laughs> they're going to shoot you. Roll on the stage, like whatever. But uh, <laughs> but there it's, is a way. Entertaining, you know. I would want to see music. That. Music is like I I think you're supposed to. Just exactly be that. That's where I was going with this is just be yourself. Because as right. soon as I was just myself of being saying stupid crap that I do every day, then it felt normal. And then everything started to work. Wow. that's Sometimes that's what... that gets me in trouble, though. But that's okay. <laughs> but I think you're right. Just be yourself. You can be shy and be yourself. Right. You know, There are different types of performers that have been huge, right? There's all different types. And you say, oh, that guy just kind of stood there and was kind of sheepish. Other people are doing backflips and, you know, I, yeah, my, my no. best friend growing up, Tony, um, Tony Siligo, who I co-wrote uh, Night Feel Good with, he would, he's an amazing performer. He lives up in Redding, California now, and he is yes. famous for doing backflips and riding a 10-foot unicycle on stage and just doing everything. But that's his style. That's really who he is. You know, he's not wow. trying 
too hard. That's just him. So I'm never going to be like that. And so, but you're right. It's authentic. It, it is. Be who you are. And, and people connect with that. You yeah. Know? Well, I'm excited about your EP being out now so everyone can go get it. But yes. what's next? That's what I want to know. Because three songs just isn't good enough. And um, everyone, don't forget, DonovanPlantMusic.com. Night Feel Good is the EP, the title track. So um, what's next? Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're hoping. Well, we're not hoping. We're planning and plotting and strategizing to go back into the studio, into Hyde Street Studios here in San Francisco with Trent Berry Sweet. and record more songs. We have we have plenty of songs to record. So we're just, we're getting it all set up to in September, hopefully be back in the studio. So we, and it seems like you guys play a lot all over San Francisco. We've been, we've been getting a lot of gigs lately in San Francisco, you know, after the pandemic, it was kind of weird and, and it was hard. And then all of a sudden it seems like people want to see people play again. So we are, we're playing uh, our next gig is at a place here in San Francisco. It's called Crane Cove park. And there's a market that's out there and that's, in August, it's like the first Saturday in August. Anyway, it's on DonovanPlantMusic.com. I should know the, yeah. know the dates, but... <laughs> Everyone but can go it, there because, yeah, people can listen to this, you know, six months from now and, you know, keep keep up with you. But it's cool that San Francisco's back because at one point, musicians I know were, were leaving right. and saying it, it kind of changed. And San Francisco's yeah. always seems to go through these cycles of ebb and flow of people coming in and out. So... Do you think it's kind of having a resurgence again of music or? I, I believe so. And I think that there's a lot of people who will tell you it's not. And it's kind of popular right now to bash San Francisco yeah, in the national news. They talk about oh, California country. as a whole. Yeah, California in general. Yeah. And, but it, it, living here in San Francisco, we're very sensitive to it. The New York Times and different people are saying, oh, San Francisco is so terrible. But, you know, like you like you mentioned, it's done this before. There's there's tech bubbles. There's all kinds of things. And if we go back far enough, my grandfather was in an orphanage here in San Francisco in 1908. Whoa. So after the earthquake. Wow. You know, Holy cow. Bubble. After the actual. Yeah. yeah. And my, my grandfather's growing up in an orphanage and the nuns that ran it, they, they put hot oil in both ears because he had a double earache and he was deaf. Like he was he had hearing aids his whole life. So. I think about people and San Francisco is going to come back and it's on its way right now. Yeah, definitely. San Francisco is such, I mean, there's, that's a rabbit hole of stories. Right. There's, there's, it's never ending. Um, If I don't, if you read books like John Jakes wrote a book, California dreaming, I think it was, or California gold. Okay. But John Jakes wrote a California book on the history of California and really got into San Francisco. And it's like the coolest it, it's historical fiction, but historically accurate. Right. Like, well, yeah. one character that I like from San Francisco history is Ina Coolbreath. She was like the poet laureate, first poet laureate of, of California. She was like an amazing, Ooh. if you study her, her story, she was like, was it Smith that started the Mormon church? She was like part of that family. And she, yeah, yeah. John she Smith? changed her name. She cut the name off. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, I'm going to be. And she, her story is fascinating. Like she, she lived, uh, well, anyway, that's a whole, that's another show, but I know that's Coolbre- a rabbit. That's yeah. a rabbit hole that that happens. That's so cool though. But that's the thing about San Francisco. I remember when we came back to America, like I, I was, you know, I didn't live here. I didn't grow up here, but I'm American and from California and left as a kid. And we went to San Francisco and when we were like, okay, we're coming back to the States. We didn't re- even plan on it, but we had to. It was time to leave South Africa at the time. And I'm like, cool. 
Janice Joplin, Hate Ashbury, we're going. Let's go. And of course, I know she's dead, but when we finally got to Hate Ashbury, I'm like, where the hell is she? Like, right. I know she's dead, but where the hell, like what, you know, you still had Jefferson Airplane, you still had Jimi Hendrix, everybody's still in that era. And Rolling Stone magazine wasn't the same as what, you know, just right. the magic just, that happened. You, yeah. you still had that romanticism of it but i had a good time in san francisco the first time we went and every time we've been is just you know i remember going to a restaurant a tiny little italian restaurant where you had to go through the kitchen to get to the bathroom that had a bunch of cockroaches but it made me happy (laughs) (laughs) it was interesting (laughs) that's my favorite word that's it that's it that's it i you know you you have a beautiful city it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world I think San Francisco and Cape Town get to win on that level from what I know so far. <laughs> now, thank you so much. For, I feel lucky to be here. Definitely. I love the city a lot. I, could, I awesome. love it. Love it. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear about the music still pumping out there and, and glad to meet you and hear your music. So we'll be listening to it on the road for sure. We've got a big drive coming up. So we'll be listening and uh, everyone donovanplantmusic.com, right? That's the website. That's it. That's it. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to Thank be here. You. So much. Well, keep us posted when the album next album comes out. You know where we are. Just I will. We Thank don't you know so the much. location. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank All you right. very much. Thanks. You take care. All right. You too. I have lived before. Star. 